0: Fiction is incredibly subversive. Mm. And what I mean by that is that with nonfiction, I just write what I know. Like I write down what's in my head on a piece of paper and that's where you agree or disagree. With fiction, you're weaving together a story with color and shape and emotion and nuance and background and story. And there's so much more complexity and there's so much you understand why a person's making the decision they're making. You understand where they came from, what what forces are at work that made them make that decision. And it gives you an opportunity, like while you're learning a deeper kind of meta truth about this, you're understanding the complexities of relationship. You're understanding how a person can perceive another person and Mm -hmm. how a person came to the decision they did. And I I find it so incredibly because it makes you feel what they feel. It it puts you in their skin and it allows for an enormous amount of empathy, which I think me writing a nonfiction piece, people miss the entire point or they they just dismiss it before they even get to it but with this i'm having people from across the ideological spectrum wrestling with these ideas that they or engaging with them like they never have
1: i put on that oasis i don't look back in anger yet yeah, that's the banger i roll down the windows like every cliche and i loudly proclaim it tell the ones that broke you to go in peace I play that Peppers. She's leaving home and I let her. Too proud to go and get her. I sing that falsetto like I was. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Seth. Seth This is the podcast. So, there's a couple quick announcements for this episode. I brought back on Brandon Andrus, who is a friend uh, of mine, a friend of the show. And years ago, like a year, year and a half ago, Brandon sent me the beginning of a book that I read on vacation at the beach like I literally sat there in a lawn chair or beach chair whatever kind of chair you call those chairs had the water lap on my feet for a full week and just sat there with this book and it was an impactful book Uh, the the book that we're talking about is Brandon's latest called what can't be hidden and full disclosure I love it like I really do like the book it is allegorical and metaphorical and very deep if you want it to be and i think it's an important book for everybody to read regardless of what you normally read so there we go my cards are on the table this is not an unbiased interview now you're going to hear brandon and i try to talk about the book without giving things away and that is because there are a few specific questions at the end where i just ask some burning things that you know are on my mind about the book and there are going to be multiple spoiler warnings for that before so and uh yeah so that's where we're at. I'm going to roll with it. This is not my best intro, and I'm sorry. But I'm going to roll with it. Let's go. Brandon Andrus, we're back. We did it. You're, um, What's this been, like two, three years now since you were on the show? It's been a minute. 18. God, yeah, that's three years. It's a long time. It doesn't feel like that long. Welcome back to the show, man.
0: Dude, it, it is so good to be back. I, I felt like I never really left because we, we've kind of developed a, a friendship along the way. And mm-hmm. so, you know, Beauty and the Wreckage came out. I was on the podcast. And then it, it seems like it wasn't too long after that where I wrote this kind of huge blog series on hell and, you picked it up and did an audio version and two episodes, Mm -hmm. which was amazing by the way. Mm -hmm. And that had a huge response. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, and now here I am. So it doesn't feel too long. I mean, we've kept in touch behind the scenes, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On a, I don't know what semi-monthly basis do monthly. I I don't don't know what the word is. I'm not good with that. (laughs) Regular, regular basis. Um, so what's new since 2018? So you've, you've probably hiked the bulk of the planet or the circumference of the planet or like what, what is new for you since, since then. And for those listening, before you answer that, I will link somewhere here, there in the show notes to the first one, if you want to listen to that. Um, and yeah. you should, it was a good, it's a good book and, um, it's a good chat as well. But yeah. You what, you know
0: what? Actually. Yeah. I'll answer your question, but huh? I remember at the time when I did that last, um, interview, hmm? And I remember that you were toward the end of all of these podcasts that I had done successively. And I was exhausted. (laughs) I was so beat (laughs) whenever you and I talked, I didn't have anything left. And so you could probably hear it uh, in my voice, but nonetheless. uh, Yeah. I mean, I've been backpacking. Uh, I I can't remember. I think I went to the Pacific Northwest last year. Uh, This year we went to where I'm not even sure where we went. (laughs) I have no idea. Yeah, I've already lost it. So Antarctica. No, no, we were in Colorado. We, we went to uh, Colorado and did part of uh, the Colorado Trail. And mm. so we did that. And then three years ago, I guess right after you and I chatted, I went to. Uh, Wyoming and got hurt. So that was the first time I've been hurt on a trip. But yeah, from a backpacking perspective, that's about it. I think we're going to go back this coming year to Wyoming one more time because we have failed the same route twice. Mm. Uh, one time a guy got sick with altitude sickness. I got hurt by <laughs> stepping on a big rock and twisting my ankle. Yeah, and So the third time's going to be a charm.
1: So did you get like airlifted out or did they carry you out or did you crawl or what does that look like?
0: No, I mean, airlifting someone out would probably be a hundred thousand dollars.
1: It's just money. It's just money. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's just fine. Money. Uh, that's why I had to write this book to try to make a little <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, you know, I just tightened up the boot and said, let's do it. And I twisted it a couple more times because you kind of lose that structural mm-hmm. support. And I think I did 30 more miles on it. It was the size of my knee when I finished and it took about six to seven months to heal and uh, strengthen it. Uh, I was ready for the next year, but it was, it, it was pretty rough. Sounds day. awful. I, yeah, it was terrible. But I mean, these are stunningly beautiful places. The solitude is second to none. Yeah. These are literally places where you go and likely very few people have been there and you don't see people while you're there. So it's, it's really kind of worth it, even even though yeah. it can be painful at times.
1: No, I get that. So I think you know this. If not, you're about to. So my wife and I went to Sedona in June. Yeah,
0: I do know that. Yeah.
1: Um, loved every... like there were. So with the time shift difference, we would be out there at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, yeah. um, which is fine because the trailheads are open. And um, we would finish our hike by 10 o'clock in the morning. Hike, you know, 5, 10, whatever yeah. miles. And it wasn't too hot, wasn't too cold, but it was we were by ourselves. Like we literally could have done whatever we wanted. Um, and it was wonderful. So very wonderful. Um, yeah, that solitude is, is freaking amazing. And it was also beautiful.
0: I mean, and Sedona is just stunning. Just a beautiful, amazing area.
1: Yeah. Especially to watch the sun come up. So, you yeah you referenced this a minute ago so we need to sell we need to sell some books so everybody listening go and purchase a copy of this book no I'm kidding <laughs> um, forget,
0: forget the interview let's just buy it yeah
1: just interviews done buy the book come back later and and leave a review um, so no so you did you wrote a book um, called I always get the name wrong what can't be hidden correct yeah yes. yeah 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 and it's a novel uh, which is different than your other past works mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So why? Why a novel, Brandon? What What is yeah. what is it that says, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to build an entire world because that would be easier than, than theology.
0: I didn't try to write a fiction book. <laughs> I didn't want to write a fiction book necessarily. I'd spent 15 years writing my blog. And I think kind of out of that sprang the first book, which was self-published in 2010 and then there was a, a subsequent book in 2013 also self-published and both of those were non-fiction works and then of course in 2017 I wrote Beauty and the Wreckage came out in 18 and that too was non-fiction and I, I'll tell you what I, I, I started getting this sense internally and I, I can't really pinpoint when it was or how long ago it was but I started getting this feeling that I don't even know how to say it, that something had to change because we had reached a point largely in our culture where as soon as someone would introduce an idea, someone could look at the idea and say, I agree or disagree and shut down the rest of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that whole dialectic of being able to, engage with people and share kind of your truth about opinion ideas and wrestle through that and try to find greater truth. It just seemed like it was being lost. I I think we've largely lost it. I think I'm kind of getting hopeful again that we're starting to rediscover that. But at that time, I was getting the sense that, man, I was putting out blogs and people were just shutting down before they would even engage with it and wouldn't even wrestle with it. They had already preconceived ideas either about me or the content and they were just done. And so I, I, I was feeling that, but I never would have thought fiction. I mean, that was not the remedy. I would, th- I thought really, honestly, the remedy was just, I'm done mm. <laughs> to be, mm. to be frank. I yeah. I, I thought I'm going to shut down the blog. I'll, I'll, I will archive it. I will keep it, but I've, I felt really disengaged. And then in June of 2019. And I've told this story before, but I I was mowing my grass. And I was probably like four swipes into it. And all of a sudden, this image kind of, I say downloaded, it just came to my mind, it was just out of nowhere. And this is how primitive it sounds. It was a circle with like a line through it. And I I started thinking about it. I'm like, that is a fracture in the hole. That is an island. And I thought, man, I am. I'm, I started having this idea. So I stopped mowing, got out my phone and started taking notes. And it was just like this massive download. I stood there for 30 minutes and just typed on my phone, like these ideas that I had. And mm. probably three days of doing this, you know, right. I didn't stand in the yard for three days, <laughs> but My wife came out,
1: she mowed the grass. (laughs) I sat down.
0: (laughs) And under the moonlight, he continued to take notes. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I took some time to sleep at night and then I would wake up the next morning and take some more notes because all this stuff was coming to me. And for me personally, the way that I work anytime that I write I can't write just ideas. I have to write where I have a passion and an energy inside of me that just feels like that it's going to explode if I can't get it out. Mm. And the problem with that is, as you can imagine trying to sustain that level of emotion and intensity over the span of a book can be exhausting. Yeah. But at the same time, I just don't want to write to write not, I don't want to write for writing's sake. So I parked all those notes for five months And I thought, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to reread it and see if I still have that energy for it. And so whenever I went back in October of 19, I was like, man, this is clicking. More ideas were coming. And around Halloween of 2019, two years ago, I started working on it. I started putting together character, you know, descriptions, character arcs, the timeline. I mean, everything you could think of. I have a notebook that's just full of scratch and scribble. And that was the genesis of it.
1: Is that the same way that you write your nonfiction as well? Just burn the wick at both ends and then turn it in?
0: No, I don't think so. But this was really weird. And I think that you'll probably hear a lot of this, a a similar story from other authors during Mm. this time is that I was on one particular um, timeline, I think, and what I wanted to get done with this book and the time that I wanted to finish it. But then COVID happened like what? Uh, I started in November. So March, so five months into it. And all of a sudden my timeline just shrunk because I had, you know, of course mornings I would get up and write before work, but then on weekends I just had all the time in the world. So I would wake up at 5am and write until two or 3pm in the afternoon on Saturdays and Sundays. And all of a sudden I knocked off three months of writing, (laughs) which was just unbelievable, but it was kind of nice in a sense, but One thing that I didn't expect is that there's a certain, like for me, there's so much of me in this book for better or worse that there were things that were happening to me while I was writing that I didn't like. And I felt like, what do you mean? Yeah, it it was, this is going to sound really bad, but it was almost a sense of mania at times because I couldn't shut off what was constantly going through my head with carrying all of these characters with me. And at night, I, my mind would literally, I couldn't shut it off. My mind would race all night long and I would wake up the next morning, completely exhausted. Mm. I I've never once in my life ever. I know. I, like I am, I don't even know what the word anxiety means or stress. I'm like the most carefree. I I don't get (laughs) worked up and I had to go to the doctor because I thought that I was having heart issues Hmm. in the middle of this. And he said, no, your heart sounds great. We did an EKG. And he's like, you're just, you're anxious. Yeah. So there are certain, and, and I attribute it directly to this book because there were things that I was wrestling through myself um, you know, I, I'm just going to be honest with, with you and your audience. And I, I don't say this in all the interviews and I probably don't want to talk about it too much with other people, but there's a lot of this that's, uh, like an auto autobiography. It's autobiographic. Mm-hmm. No one would ever necessarily pick that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's deep within it, but it's like, there are certain things that I, needed to work through in this fiction book mm-hmm. without making it obvious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have four questions scripted specifically about the text. One of them is kind of that. It's it's an autobiographical question. Um because what I know of you is to recharge you escape to the middle of nowhere. Um yep. and the setting for the book, as long as I'm not giving away more than you want, is also in the middle of nowhere why? Like, What is necessary to reconnect to some, not epistemological truth, because I don't think that that's the right way to say truth, at least not in this context. What is the necessity to get away from all of the things?
0: It's an interesting question, because in one sense, if you look at the setting, which is an island, you would think this is a place where people go to get away and find solitude and respite and recharge, Mm -hmm. right? But what we find out very quickly is that it just doesn't come naturally, <laughs> right? I mean, you you can set up structures within that uh, environment that are very self-limiting that suck the life and freedom and peace out of a person, and ultimately that's what it explores. You know, it it really explores this story explores ideas of asking the question, what is peace? What is freedom? And there are these definitions that we operate by. And I think that it's kind of soaked into how we think about ourselves in the world. And I, and I really challenge those questions quite a bit to say, man, I mean, if you're, Seth, if your assertion is an island ought to be a place of respite and recharge, yet it's not life-giving at all and you feel anything but that, then the question is, why wouldn't you feel that? Why mm. wouldn't you necessarily find peace and freedom in that place? That, that, that's the fundamental question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is I'm asking the questions you're getting.
0: <laughs> you you got to know anytime that you ask me one, you're going to get one back. <laughs> uh,
1: no, but I agree. So I, I do the same thing, which is why I think I live where I live. Like I live right off the skyline drive of the Blue Ridge Parkway. Like that's, that's where I go. Like we had a chance um, just for four or five hours on su- uh, Sunday yeah, my mother-in-law said, I'll get the kids. Y'all hang out for five or six hours. Could have done literally anything. Yeah. Um, we went up into the mountains and hiked with the dogs. Like, mm. And I don't think that we spoke, my wife and I, like, until we got back and then we went and get some ice cream. and we, we talked a lot then, but I don't believe that we even, I think we spoke saying, we're like four miles in, you want to turn around? And we both agreed, yeah, eight's probably good. You know, and,
0: But, but it, see, it's like your intention was that you wanted to be in a place of presence with your wife mm-hmm. that was regenerative re- regenerative and restorative. Yeah. Yet I've been on trips and past people that are texting on their phones that are, you know, they have it clipped to their side and the volume is all the way up with the speaker. Mm. And I think there are people that just can't cut the change. So it's like, you know, I, I think that that's really the thing. It's, it's an intention and intentionality mm. with, what you're doing. And that's exactly what we find. And in the other, I, you know, the, I know we're being super enigmatic. Let, let's just, let's just cut in here for a second. <laughs> Cause I can imagine like listening to this interview and I'm like, man, you guys are kind of talking this large 40,000 foot view meta narrative yeah. language. And we're not even sure anything about this book. And the truth is, is that it's really impossible to talk about this book and it's really difficult when you're trying to get people to buy it, but it's hard to talk about this particular book because every single thing in it is a spoiler. And so we're not being super elusive here. Mm -hmm. It's just that it, I I find it very difficult to say much about it specifically without giving all of it away.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I've sent you bits as I've been rereading back through it. Like, like, and so to, to speak a bit to that, so, like, there are times when I'll read a couple paragraphs and I'll be like, oh, well, that sounds like the, the, the politics that we live in today. There are other times where I'm like, oh, Congress is arguing about that today. And then there are other times I'm like, my pastor just said something like that. Very similar on Sunday. I like this. Um, maybe that's, maybe, I don't know. I, I found myself wondering if the words were written in such a way that I could imprint myself onto the story maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. Um, and when I read it, and I think I've told you in the past, like I read it the first time sitting at the ocean, listening to the waves come in and out and then gradually, Yeah. yeah, we were at the outer banks and just gradually moving my chair. I think I read it over the course of a weekend that first time, just at the water, just over and over and over. Um, and then to make matters worse, I just read chapter 15 earlier today, as you know, we get to watch the sun come up. Um, and there's the water, and I'm like, see, see, I can't. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't know. I'll tell know. you
0: this, Seth. I mean, first and foremost, there are two layers to this book, and and the first one is, I wanted to write a compelling story that was a page turner. It's a psychological thriller, mm-hmm. and you know, people are like, well, what what books did you read that inspired this book? And I'm like, I don't read
1: Leviticus. <laughs>
0: At all. (laughs) And nor do I read fiction books, which, you know, that has to be a mark against me. But I, I would say that my biggest inspiration was Breaking Bad, because I'm a very visual guy. And I love watching good, good sitcoms and uh, dramas. And I take mental notes about like the great things about what makes me want to engage with something, the level of um, creativity and depth and the way things are connected, especially with Breaking Bad, but also the way that it leaves you wanting more. And so I think that that was kind of the inspiration. If if no one gets anything more out of this book, I wanted to write a super compelling page turner that mm-hmm. people thoroughly enjoy. Um, but I have to tell you this, I, I went to this author event in southern Indiana. I was at a bookstore and It was my first one for this book, and I know how I would do it with my nonfiction books. I I hadn't really thought through the dynamics of how to do a fiction author event. So I set up my books, one with the cover facing the other book with the back where it shows the synopsis of the story. And I just figured that if people wanted to know about the book, they'd pick it up and read the back of the back of the book, and read the synopsis. And everybody started coming up and saying, what's your book about? And I, I was like, pick it hubbada up. It's <laughs> <hubbada laughs> <hubbada laughs> <laughs> like, dude, I just wrote 88,000 words. Like you want me to distill it down to, you know, a couple of sound bites. So after a handful of people finally doing it, I created a little... Elevator pitch that I put mm. together. So I'm just gonna go ahead and tell the See audience that, yeah, yeah, what to hear. the synopsis of the book is. So um on this island, there's an isolated and restrictive community, and they believe that they're the only people that live on that island. And one day they have guards that are scouting in the forest and they happen to see something move and they see somebody watching them. And so they pursue the stranger and they apprehend him, taking him back into the town. But as you can imagine, you kind of know how the town's going to react. They think they're the only people on the island. Mm -hmm. A stranger is being apprehended and brought into town and people start freaking out and fear just takes over. They're panic-stricken. They put the stranger in the jail to try to figure out what to do with them. And all the while there's a 17 year old girl who has only known life on the island, who's only known life in that community. And she's curious about this stranger. So she goes and befriends him by night because she wants to help him escape so she can leave with him too.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: So that, that's about as much as I'm going to give.
1: Yeah. And I would say for those listening, that is not the, the whole story. Um, not, not anywhere close. I find myself wanting to argue with you. Um, so um, who, so uh, can I make this a little bit theological? Cause I can't yeah, help yeah, yeah. myself. Um, so there are some dreams for one of the main characters in the middle of the, of the, of the novel there. And, and in this dream, uh, there's there's like a drowning uh, there's water is is deeply symbolic uh, in, in many parts of of the of the story and i'm curious the role of those dreams the and i hope you know the, the dreams i'm talking about with with um with Ochi who's one of the characters okay. in there um is that some form of bastardized baptism is it something else is it just fever dreams from anxiety like what is that
0: yeah, great question. So the one thing that I'll say before I answer your question is that every single word, every single sentence, every single paragraph of this book is intentional. It all has meaning. It's deeply symbolic. The story is an allegory. So it does have a story beneath the story. So mm-hmm. you're right on with your assessment. So I, I think whenever I was writing this particular um, you say dream. Whenever I was writing this particular passage in the book, I, I was, it was thinking about. Right? All, yeah, he went. Yeah, to, yeah. He he went was to sleep. sleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm just not trying to give it all away. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, he 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 wakes up and he is ready to go on this journey, and the entire town is. Sitting and and awaiting him. And it kind of catches him off guard. He's like up really early, and the entire town is there. And something very strange has occurred. I mean, right down the aisle that was normally just kind of a Mm -hmm. grass or dirt path is now trenched out with water in it. And so he's very confused about how they did that, but he starts walking in it. And the water, I think, goes up to his knees or maybe mid thigh. And as he looks up and as he's walking in this water, Um, there's this limestone structure in front of him that is kind of a, it's pooled water underneath of it, but these arches go up to the top and kind of hold this thing together. And at each pillar, there are four people at each pillar standing there looking at him. And so one is the religious leader. And Mm -hmm. I think another is his wife, is that right? Mm-hmm. And then I think another is his son. And then one of the other uh, characters, I think one of the guards is that the right. fourth one. And, you know, as he's walking down, they each give this kind of nod or a gesture to him kind of an acknowledgement. And I, I think the way that I kind of kind, and I'm not going to give away what happens right. th- through this, but he makes his way to it. And the entire audience, congregation or the audience or the town starts singing the song and the refrain was this is why you've lost the people which it it kind of recalls something that he heard earlier in the story and as he's watching how how do you how do you say this without i don't
1: i don't know i don't actually want that i'm just curious like the role of water like is that some like i'm just personally curious like is that some form of
0: yeah, I think spiritual so. baptism,
1: it, uh, anxiety, I don't know what, like, I don't, I don't know, like, just the role of the water in that story. I found myself, I, I've actually thought about it quite a bit.
0: Well, the thing is, is that throughout the entire story, water is prominent symbolically. Mm-hmm. And I would say in this case, your assertion is absolutely correct that, you know, Water as we know it symbolically is something that is regenerative like we discussed earlier it's it's uh, it's symbolic of regeneration. it's mm. symbolic of cleansing, of you know coming back coming up out of the water in this kind of resurrected life-giving state. And what we see happening in that particular scene is kind of this, coerced or forced trauma that happens within this religious, this kind of political religious community. So, yeah, I mean, in this particular case, it's kind of like the, you, you have certain ideas about what this, and, and we get a contrast to it later in the story, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever. We,
1: yeah. So I, yeah.
0: I think that that's the thing is like, it, it really truly is this contrast between the two of, you know, is, is this water something that we continue to drink in? and and that gives us life, or is it something used for a function or a purpose to mm-hmm. reach certain ends? Yeah. That was a really long answer to get to <laughs> We did it.
1: <laughs> we did it. So I, I want to ask a couple questions that, that are not necessarily based on content and in the book, but maybe yeah, some, yeah. some thoughts coming back from, from reading the book. So if I was to read this in a setting of religious people, so say I, I do a, a six-week thing, we're going to read a couple chapters a night, and then we're going to discuss it for an hour at the end of those six weeks. Are the congregants in this body of people, are they angry at the challenges? Are they accusatory of you as an author? Like, what do you feel like would be a normal hundred people in a room? Be like, yeah, that's not, that's not, that's not, because I've, I've told people about some of the things in it and yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah, well that's, I mean, I know that's not me. I'm like, But it's, it's me that's on it it time. You know what I mean? Like, what do you feel like the, the feedback would be from people just taking that in?
0: So on the back of the hardcover book, it's completely blank. And this is very bizarre because that's a place where you would typically put blurbs from people who are writing, trying to get others to buy your book. Yeah. And I intentionally left it blank because usually you get people to write blurbs who yeah. are, tr- who reach the specific audience that you're trying to reach. And I also know that people tune out because it's like, well, there, like the last book I did had roar on the back. It had Hillary McBride on the back. And, you know, people can automatically look at that and be like, wow, that's a way more progressive crowd than I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And so it alienates an entire demographic. And with this fiction book, I did not want to alienate anyone on any at any end of either political either end of the political spectrum because mm-hmm. it's going honestly, and and I'm not saying this to be shocking or anything, but it literally is going to step on everybody's toes. Yeah. and it doesn't matter where you're at. It. I had somebody who read it early on. One of the early readers said, "This book is can be an inch deep, or it can be." a mile deep. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's just a matter of where you want to go. I mean, how how will you engage with the material? How will you let it sit with you? There are people who read maybe the first chapter and assumed that I was making certain political statements. But to be honest, the more you get into the book, you realize, wow, this is way more complex than I imagined. This is hitting everybody everywhere.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Um, I'm want- I, I, you
0: know, To answer your question, though, I I do have a church. Actually, I'm sitting in a church right now. And this is not my house. Um, <laughs> we've been recording a podcast, and we've been recording it here at the, his office, and so that's why I'm set up here. But um, the, he has a group of people here at the church that are going through it right now, and I just I. I want people to know that this book for me is not, it's not a Christian book. I mean, I think you probably know that. I mean, it's not really, I think that they may have put it on Amazon as like uh, one of the categories as Christian. It's really not a quote unquote Christian book. It's definitely um, a a deeper spirituality, if you will. I mean, there's no question that it has the heart of Christ in it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's any question about that. But I, I just really feel like that this is a book for people. This is a book for humanity. And I, I, I want it to not cause division. I don't, I, that's not where I'm at anymore. I, I ju- I'm just not in that place. I really feel like there, there's a place for challenging the systems and they need to be challenged. There's a place for running from the system and deconstructing. And I've been there a long time, a long time ago. I mean, I think I started that in 2000 seven. So I've been in that place for a long time. And I'm at a place now where it's like, I think by finishing this book, that was the absolute close on deconstruction for me. And I'm like, how can it be life-giving? How can it be Mm. helpful? How can it begin healing some of our deep divides? And that's just the heart of it, I think.
1: Yeah. I, as someone, so I, I also, I think I'm on the other side of deconstruction and I've reached a point where I'm like, I love that you like that. But like, and when I'm talking to the people, I'm like, I like that. That's where you're at. I've been yeah. there. I like that. That's where you're at. I've, I've been there. It's it's a good place to be. I liked it when I was there. You know, uh, it's just easier that way. Like I I can relate to that. I've I've had that same thought at, at times in my life. Um, if you could throat punch one of the characters that you wrote, who is it?
0: <laughs> uh, you know let me just say it this way, a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's because, you know, here we kind of go again with the autobiographical nature of it. There is a lot of me and all of the characters because it's different times of my life. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you see some of their good parts, hopefully it's maybe where I'm moving toward. And if you see some of their bad parts or their shortcomings, hopefully that's where I've come from and I'm probably bringing still some of the shortcomings with me, but I think that anytime that I see, you know, like one of the things that one of the main protagonists Thura deals with is she's reached, I mean, she, she's right on track, man. She's, she's hungry. She's young. She wants to find freedom outside of this community. Mm-hmm. And yet she really struggles with, believing that everybody she's left behind is a lost cause mm. and believing that there's nothing redeemable about that community. And it's mm. like, I wanted to throw punch her
1: really. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Just
0: because of that. And then, you know, then, uh, there's another <laughs> character who's a main protagonist and, you know, he is a lot of the issue for the community and mm. I'm not going to go too deep into them, yeah. but it's like, th- there's that. And, you know of course the main religious leader he's definitely he's something else, yeah. but anyway though yeah, i actually point,
1: i actually don't I, think i want to throat punch him if he was a person because <laughs> i totally can get that i see it daily like the the uh what's the word i want to say the ability to intentionally make yourself Appear and become more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggle with that. I see other people do it well. Um, the person for me that I wanted to punch every time she's on the page um, is is actually uh, Velos. Uh, I, I can't stand her. <laughs> I, I, I can't at all. Every every single time that um, yeah. <laughs> I just I there,
0: Actually, there was not much really good about her throughout the maybe that's
1: story. maybe that's why i just like every uh, time i get, i literally will breathe a sigh and be like fine um <laughs> so
0: that's so funny to hear um yeah i, I mean it, but but truly that's it i mean and, and maybe you've had the same experience as you were reading it because mm-hmm. I've, I've had actually people say this they've said I think I, I, there's a discussion group on Facebook for people who are kind of wrestling through the book and asking questions. I don't think I'm in that. Okay. Well, it's it's a private group, so maybe I'll just invite you in. Sure, But anyway, I mean, a lot of people have asked the question about the characters. Like a lot of people are saying is who are these characters? Is it just one person in time? Is it, you know, Brandon throughout his life. Is it, you know, so people are asking these questions and I, I think that, you know, there's probably a truth woven deeply within that. And some of it I've shared here, but the truth is, is that no matter who you are, I promise that you will identify with the characters because there's so much of us and our current contemporary struggle that we have. And I think that that's what makes it so compelling and so relevant I mean, I wrote this in 2019, but it seems like that it was written today. Yeah, hundred percent,
1: hundred percent. Yeah. And
0: so I think that people can identify with the nuance and the struggle. And I, I think one of the things that, you know, getting into this discussion about fiction and why would you want to write fiction? And I didn't even give you the best answer of all of it is because I didn't realize this ahead of time. I kind of discovered it as I wrote, but fiction Is incredibly subversive. Mm. And what I mean by that is that with nonfiction, I just write what I know. Like I write down what's in my head on a piece of paper, and that's where you agree or disagree. With fiction, you're weaving together a story with color and shape and emotion and nuance and background and story. And there's so much more complexity. And there's so much you understand why a person's making the decision they're making. You understand where they came from, what what forces are at work that made them make that decision. And it gives you an opportunity, like while you're learning a deeper kind of meta truth about this, you're understanding the complexities of relationship. You're understanding how a person can perceive another person and Mm -hmm. how a person came to the decision they did. And I I find it so incredibly because it makes you feel what they feel. It it puts you in their skin and it allows for an enormous amount of empathy, which I think me writing a nonfiction piece, people miss the entire point or they they just dismiss it before they even get to it but with this i'm having people from across the ideological spectrum wrestling with these ideas that they or engaging with them like they never have
1: who is the the, the woman in the video the teaser video on facebook i have reversed image search her name or her, her picture as best i can and i can't figure it out did who is that is it like stock and you made it or what is that
0: yeah, it's it's a stock video and it's okay. the most god awful um, stock image because the it looks like a like lake water, but I manipulated <laughs> all the color and made it super. Oh, you cool did that? Yeah, I made the ah. video, and then my friend um, when I did Outside the Walls podcast and I had a couple of other hosts. One was Sarah Dismore. She did the voiceover. Ah. So, yeah, ah. Ah. I, I just kind of love doing that creative stuff, and I'm like, dude, I'm gonna make an epic. Uh, trailer to the book, and <laughs> anyway, people can find that video on YouTube if you just type in what can't be hidden or Brandon Andrus, it comes yeah. up like a 30 second promo video. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's stock, good
0: stock video, bro.
1: It's good. So if you're willing, I would like to ask you specific questions. And you alluded to it at the beginning. Um, if you're willing, but after probably I have you plug the places because um, I do have specific questions and yeah, I could yeah, call yeah. you tomorrow on the cell phone, but then no one else would benefit. Um, and for those people that are cheating, um, just stop listening after a bit and I'll tell you when. Um, but I want to ask you the same two questions that I ask everybody that I have on the show this year. And maybe maybe they'll be easy, maybe they won't. Um, so what do you feel like we should be talking about as a body of people that believe things? So in this case, we'll, we'll call it church. Um, it could really be anything. And that if we don't in the current environment that we live in, it's going to cause damage in a way that if we continue and you alluded to this at the beginning you know you people have their their self-implied here's what they mean and i'm done with them they said that they don't believe in the covet vaccine so obviously they're stupid and so no one else matters i don't care what they think about anything or or in my case oklahoma beat texas and so now everybody that doesn't think texas is the best football team is instantaneously dumb to me um that's a it's not accurate, but it's accurate. It is accurate. Um, so <laughs> uh, what do you feel like are those things that need to be spoken about? And I, I asked the question as a play on a sarcastic play on words of just the name of the show. Cause I realized after all those years, I, I really dropped the ball on using that.
0: Yeah. That, that's a fantastic question. I think, and I'm just going to answer it for what's right now on my radar and, and how I'm feeling. And, and actually today I, I really thought this, I thought this, this has to be it, or we're not going to have a future. I, I really believe that we have to get better at the dialectic. We, we have to get better at coming to the table with people with different perspectives and ideas in a posture of humility and be able to have conversations about different ideas and work through that together to find greater truth and to learn from each other. And I really believe it because I think, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples. So I'm doing another podcast. Um, It's called the way it ought to be podcast. And This past week, we were talking about cancel culture, Mm. and so we're just kind of taking on these great big ideas each week, and it's like there's no way you could tackle it in 45 minutes, but we're giving a a good effort at just – the whole premise of the show is – I totally get that. Paul sitting (laughs) down and we we don't come in prepared. There's Mm -hmm. no notes. There's no outline. And it's like a give and take of like wrestling through these big ideas of Mm -hmm. saying, how do we come to a greater truth? And what does the third way of Jesus look like in the midst of that? And so this past week we got a note from someone who was saying, you know, and I, I think that this is very intuitive question, but she said, what do you do about, um you guys being like white guys and your privilege and coming from a privileged position and talking about cancel culture and and I just thought and, and you know at the beginning of her comments, and, and I know she was completely kidding, but she said, I hope you guys don't cancel me for pushing on this. Mm-hmm. And and I thought this is exactly in, in one sense, the problem we have and, and not saying that she was part of the problem, but this is the way we're wired is we think that we can, can hardly say anything or even have a critique of an idea yeah. without fear of being canceled. But then I thought, God bless her for being able to say, I, I'm joining you guys at the table now and I'm going to bring my opinion of what I'm thinking. And, and we're going to hear that. or We're, we're going to wrestle with it because we want to hear her perspective and things that we haven't considered. And, I, and so then let's contrast it. So I shared um, another in another group, I shared today about this interview that I listened to with Joe Rogan and Jewel. And it, it was one of the most mind-blowing interviews with Jewel. I, it was amazing. She's so wise and so introspective and had great stories. And, and I shared it with people and I said, you got to listen to this interview. It's so life-giving. It's so good people are like not listening in Joe Rogan, boom, shut it down, not mm-hmm. engaged. And and I thought that this is truly where we're at. Like we're, we're, we've reached conclusions about people rightly or wrongly. Sometimes it's bad information, but sometimes, you know, they may be a tough person to deal with. They may have controversial ideas, but you know what? I, I, I kind of, hunger those kind of engagements. I, I I really there are so many people that I've met over my life because I grew up in a, a small church of a hundred people, I had very small ideas when I went to college. I had very small ideas when I went to this college that started expanding my mind and challenging me. And over that time I've met people that have introduced ideas that have challenged me so deeply and I thought, my God, they're they've got to be wrong or they're crazy or <laughs> And what they come to find out, it's like, it's expanded my mind, expanded my thinking, expanded my capacity to appreciate cultures and, and d- great diversity of ideas and, and people. And I think if I had stayed insulated, if I had stayed in that place where I was like, screw that, I'm not going to engage with that person. I wonder how much of a deficit I would have been mm. in my life of not being able to grow it doesn't mean that whenever you have, you know, a dialogue, whenever you enter into this dialectic, it doesn't mean you have to agree on the ideas. That's yeah. not the point. The point is, is there's a, an honest, hopefully humble give and take of respecting and learning from each other. And that's what I feel like right now we need so deeply.
1: Yeah. And I would also say the book actually tackles that quite well. Um, the ramification of not listening to people. Um, yeah, yeah, quite well actually. That should be the elevator pitch, not the other one. That <laughs> that should be a, um, just tell that story about Joe Rogan and be like, and that's what you're going to get by chapter three. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. I actually was in a, a different group as well. Someone posted something about a uh, Mark Driscoll text that he had written on critical race theory as he plans to take it apart and the, the only the way I'm sure that Mark Driscoll can, and oh, sure. Um, sure. And they were like, yeah, sign me out. I'm not doing it. I was like, I'll download it. It's free for the weekend. I mean, I'll I'll read it. I'm sure I can learn something. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind that Driscoll and I are going to come to massively different conclusions.
0: Absolutely, Yeah, no problem.
1: But he's also brilliant. He's just, I also happen to think he's manipulative, but that doesn't mean that he's not obviously charismatic and brilliant. I just don't agree with. Or it with doesn't you.
0: mean that he can't ultimately change and soften his heart.
1: Oh, God, I, I how amazing would that be? Um, yeah. But I
0: think that that's the other thing my book wrestles with is that, you know, based on our own convention, we don't see any possibility of X person on that side of the, you know, on that side of the aisle, on that extreme position ever changing. And the truth is, is that what we see Biblically, it's just the opposite. We see loads of hard hearted people, loads of self righteous, you know, holier than thou. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Paul's case, someone who actually killed Christians, yeah, changing. And yeah. I think that I always hold out hope that even with, you know, I mean, you know, we say this and maybe sometimes we say it as a cliche, and maybe sometimes people don't really mean it. Maybe sometimes I haven't meant it, but I really have been that person, man. I I, I've really been that person who's been on the wrong side of a lot of stuff. Mm. And I've been an ass during that time. And I've probably been the person, a lot of people said, this guy has no hope. There's no way of changing his narrow minded fundamentalism. Yeah. And yeah, people, people can change.
1: Yeah. I did not listen to your episode on cancel culture. But I do have an opinion, and, and it's this, because my son and I have actually talked about this because he wants to have social media accounts and that type of stuff, and I'm trying to make him understand you can't take it off the internet. Like The right. stuff that I've done with this podcast, those words exist. And yeah. even listening back to the first year, some of my questions and whatnot, I'm like, that's not even a question I care about anymore. And actually, I'm pretty sure that I was wrong in even asking the question. <laughs> um, but I think some things should be canceled. Um, let's say bigotry and and racism and uh, homophobia and that type of stuff. But I am also allowed to learn from my mistakes without getting canceled. Now, should I choose not to learn from a mistake and instead dig in and refuse to listen to other points of views, then maybe. But I honestly think, what's the word? I'm going to steal the term from my boss. I'm going to assume positive intent until you show me that I shouldn't. I will assume positive <laughs> intent, like that, I'm going to assume that person did not intentionally mean to hurt anyone. Tell me more. And then when I realize that you either did or you didn't, okay, maybe then we make a decision on what gets canceled, what doesn't. But that's, yeah, that's, I
0: mean, it's a, it's a complex one and I, I I'm not going to get into all yeah. the ins and outs of it because it's out there on my podcast yeah, so do. People yeah. to where I'm at on it, but yeah. You know, I I think that where I stand, and this kind of goes back to the Hell series a little bit, is that my position early on in that series was that if I have a belief that God has forgiven all people for all time preemptively, and if God has not given me the God has not given me the task of going out and being the minister of forgiveness, but rather the minister of reconciliation, mm. the truth is is that my only responsibility is to be one who is active at restoring people in relationships. Yeah. And I, I don't need to be the arbiter of forgiveness. I don't need to be the decider of forgiveness. And so, you know, I, I, I can literally be across the table from the hardest heart, the person who gives me a finger, the person who says, I will disagree with you hand over fist. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. I'm, I still believe God loves you. And I still believe that we can find a common ground somewhere. And I, yeah that's my hope um through any of this is that yeah i don't know and and i, I obviously this is the heart of the book too yeah. i mean it's it's mm-hmm. really a, a book about relationships and trying to work through the nuance of our differences and to see the other differently and not to necessarily write off people because sometimes it's difficult to understand what a person's going through yeah. and i you know that's what hopefully will shine through, and yeah. as people read it,
1: yeah. Sometimes we light our lamps and refuse to share them, so um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <Well> done. <laughs> so uh, all right. So, when you try to explain or wrap words around what God is, what do you say to that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the easy answer, which is probably the most correct, but I don't think that many of us even understand this. I'm just gonna say it it God is love. I don't think that any of us understand that. Hmm. I think we we come with such fractured lenses, broken lenses and the light kind of permeates through that in different ways and we don't see it clearly. And honestly, a lot of the relationships we've had in the past with people who are supposed to love us probably let us down or showed us, you know very, finite versions of what love could be. And that's why I kind of hold out hope that whenever you hear in the Bible, it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It won't be because it's coerced or people are afraid. It'll be because people will finally see love unveiled, love unrestricted Mm -hmm. and people will say, my God, I never knew. And it won't be just one. It'll be all of us. I, I think that our, we are so limited in understanding what, that kind of love is. And I think that there are times where maybe you get a glimpse of it in your life. Right. And it brings tears to your eyes mm. and, and, and it changes you. I mean, there's no quite it's, it's like that veil that's pierced and and you just get a little bit of a glimpse of it and, and you can feel it and it and it, I can feel it like right here in my chest, man. And, and, it, and it, and it's that love that I, I, I actually, I don't have many of these moments in my life, but I, surprisingly I had one, uh, 2 or 3 weeks ago I was walk I just took a walk in my neighborhood and I was walking down the road and there were big trees in the distance and, and the sunlight was piercing through and mm-hmm. the lights were the rays were coming through yeah. and there was a little girl riding her bicycle mm-hmm. asked me and and I just thought it it was just this overwhelming sense of just and I was enveloped by this immensity this this immensity of love that i thought it's it's all gonna be all right it's yeah. all gonna be all right and but i don't think that we live like that right yeah. so yeah. whenever we say what god is god's love but do who knows
1: (laughs) (laughs) that works for me so plug the places and plug all the pluggables that you need to plug and then i do want to ask you some specific questions and for those listening after the plug the pluggables there's going to be that saying that says you should sign up for patreon and that type of stuff and you should have already done that because then you don't have to listen to any other stuff you can just (laughs) you get all the versions of the show um including the one with all the ums that i that i didn't edit out so where do you want to plug the places to people? And then we'll go into that.
0: Yeah, so I've taken a different approach with this launch more than anything. I could have taken the easy route, but I've taken the way harder route. I, I, I've been begging people to engage locally at their mm-hmm. local bookstore. And if, if they don't have it on the shelf, then just ask the person to order it. And, and they'll get it. They'll they'll deliver it to the store and we're supporting local business. And it's been so gratifying because I've had people all across the United States ordering it from their local bookstore and it's been amazing. Nice. So that, that's the biggest thing because look, I'm not against Amazon. I use it times where I can't get things locally, right? So I'm not anti, I, I really don't feel like putting more bucks in Bezos's pocket but um, it, you can get it everywhere online. So, you know, the Barnes and Nobles, the IndieBound, the Amazon, bookshop.org, anywhere and everywhere. I encourage people to get it. Um, but if you can and if you have the ability to buy it local at your bookstore, then please, please, please do that.
1: Mm. Okay. Is there an easy way for people to do that or they just need to go, like, find their local bookstore? Or is there, like, a repository that says, no, here's my here's yeah, my bookstore. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, the easiest thing is to go to bookshop.org, which is really incredible. It it even helps fund local bookstores. Mm. Uh, Indiebound is another place. I n uh, d i e bound.org, and you can enter your zip code. It tells you what your local bookstore mm. is. So that's amazing. And I think you can buy it through Indiebound, and it goes through your local bookstore to arrive at your local bookstore. You
1: can show up and get it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, oh, I mean, there are ways cool. to do it. I know, I, I know it's way harder, but let's be honest during COVID a lot of our mom and pop shops have had a harder time making it through this. And so I really just want to support them as much as I can. Yeah,
1: no, that makes sense. Cool. Cool. Good. All right. So people, I'm going to give you one last warning. Um, don't be here if you don't want to run the book and and honestly you should buy the
0: book. Yeah, um, d- 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 Be done right now because everything in the book is a spoiler and you want you want to be shocked and surprised.
1: So you're probably thinking, wow, in the middle there, there's usually an ad break. So that's coming right now because as promised, there are some questions here in just a few seconds, maybe a minute or so that may break the book for some of you. And so if you haven't read the book and you want to, um, stop listening right now, uh, and do the things you need to. But outside of that quick ad break, we'll be back. And, uh, Brandon and I will discuss the book a little bit further detail in brief. Here we go. The grace, your heart has ah, yeah, well, I don't know if my questions will spoil many things. Maybe they will. Okay, cool. Um, cool. cool. But they are like, as I've, again, as I've been reading it back through, like, why is everybody so mad? Like, it's like a powder keg. Like, where are these people coming from that they're just at base level nine? One thing happens and let's kill everybody. Like, why is everyone here so mad?
0: Uh, Because it's an allegory. (laughs) 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 Because it's representative of us, man. Oh, and,
1: just so mad. Uh, so,
0: yeah, yeah. No, the, the the people in the town, the town's called Petrita. Every name in the book means something. Every single thing. Every, I mean, I'm telling you, literally everything, even things that you'll probably never find in the book are hidden in the book, like Easter eggs. It's all there. Like what? Um, I, <laughs> uh,
1: no, it's fine. You don't I, say it.
0: I, 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 I can tell you one. I mean, <laughs> but, if people have already read it, then they're probably curious. So. Yeah. There, there's this one line, um, Thura is with Odigo and they're looking at the water, uh-huh. the, the waves are coming in and Thura's is looking at the rocks below and she's mm-hmm. noticing how, and she uses the word beckon and she says that um, the waves are beckoning the rock mm-hmm. and as soon, that's at the end of the chapter and as soon as you start the next chapter, it's about Ochi and Sophia And it's when she is yelling out in the distance and she, and it says that Sophia was beckoning Ochi and it's a direct tie into the waves are smoothing the rocks. I'm using that word beckoning and I'm tying it to what's going on with Sophia and Ochi. She's the wave that's washing over him and knocking off his sharp edges and making him smooth and Mm. refining him. Mm. I mean, it's just, there are a lot of little things, but I mean, there are things that are even bigger and more noticeable, but that's like little hint, like little, I'll, I'll give you one more. If you want to hear it.
1: Sure. Um, sure. I won't say this, no.
0: So at the very end of the book, it's kind of a shocker and people are like, okay, what happened? And and I don't want to go into that part here, no. but people are trying to wrestle through it and they realize that something she's done. since so she's had an experience of some sort and People are like, well, were there any clues throughout the beginning through this that there was uh something off? Mm-hmm. And I said, Yeah. I mean, at the beginning, that the narrator says that Thura um was born on the island. Probably in the next chapter or two, Thura says that she came to the island as a little girl. Yeah. And then later the narrator says that she came to the island as a little girl. And it's like, the narrator kind of corrects her story because it's very fluid. This yeah. whole thing. Like, so anyway, yeah. there are certain things like that that are just hidden throughout that most people wouldn't catch the first time through.
1: Yeah. So this painting in the council room, Yeah. who painted this?
0: It like in real life.
1: Yeah. Like I understand the purpose that it serves, but mm-hmm. it's origination. Like everything else in the Island was, was built, you know, people show up and they make the thing that wasn't made. It, it was there, like, brought.
0: Oh, okay. So you're wondering who painted it on the island?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, it's like a, a picture of, a, you know, a man in, in a boat and whatnot. Like, everything else that is created in Patrita exists because it was created by the people there. Yeah. But not that.
0: Yeah, actually, it was. I mean, we, Did I miss we it? find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So huh. uh, Ochi says that his dad painted it. So Numa painted it.
1: Oh, you're you're right. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Just too kidding. many things. Too many things in my head. <laughs> too many things in my head. Yeah. Where
0: but I I will tell you one thing about that painting is that and, and this is kind of an interesting tie-in. So people who have read the book will think that I think that they'll think this is pretty cool. And I'm actually I'm I'm not not looking at you on purpose. I'm looking for that painting on my phone because I have it. But Nonetheless, I reached a point in the book where I was like, you know, I really want this character who's kind of wrestling through this situation to Mm -hmm. have something that he's maybe looking at, um, you know, and there's, oops, there's the painting. You can see it.
1: Mm.
0: Right. So something that he's looking at that he's wrestling with. And did did you watch Breaking Bad?
1: Mm -hmm. All of it. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So there's this one point where, there's a picture in Walter White's house and it's a dad who's in a rowboat and he's leaving the shore and his wife and two kids are standing there waving at him as he's leaving in, 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 in the weather behind him looks really treacherous. And, you know, it's kind of representative of Walter White and where he's at in his life. He's leaving his family. He's going off into this treacherous, you know, whatever. It's kind of predictive yeah, uh, foreshadowing.
1: So Ochi is the one that knocks.
0: I suppose Uh, he actually kind of did. But um, so I was thinking about that and I'm like, you know what? I, I would love to have a painting on the wall that he's wrestling with. And so I just kind of started digging around and I found this painting that, that was online. And I'm like, it it was exactly what I described in the book. Mm. It was a man sitting in a boat, looking at a young girl or a boy. And in the distance there literally was boats on the horizon and as you look in his boat the sail is down so it's like i used Mm. that entire real life painting as an image to tell a story about people think that their hope is on the horizon yeah all all the while you know i'm sorry that his piece is on the horizon but all the while it's in the boat has been right there with him the whole time yeah And i just thought the picture worked brilliantly
1: yeah yeah Um, this is not a spoiler related question, but just for me to you. So I think I've talked about some of the stuff that I deal with, with my, with my oldest, um, with my son, with, with some of his medical, maybe I have, maybe I I can't remember if I have or not. Um, but Tyron is the hardest person for me to read in the book because of my relationship with my son. It's heartbreaking. Um, not, not necessarily a spoiler. Maybe it, I don't know, but just for me to you, like it is. Like, I struggle to read those parts. Um, mm-hmm. Can't find my words. Um, fumble, fumble through words.
0: It's, the it's, thing that's interesting to me about that, Seth, is that and this has been the most shocking part for me hearing from readers is that people are having experiences with it that are not what I intended or what I tried to elicit, mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm writing it from a, per- and, but I understand completely how someone's reading it and it's speaking to them at a completely. It's it's mm-hmm. very parable-like in that mm-hmm. sense, right? Mm-hmm. You can look at it from a lot of different angles, and there's truth being tr- spoken to different people of all times from different backgrounds. Yeah. But it, I think that that's fascinating that you're picking up on that in a very real way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was one morning I had literally argued in such a way. And then I read the same because I've, I've been reading chapters before I leave for work. That's, that's okay. how I've been able to triage doing the thing that I'm doing, um, yeah. is read, read after the bus comes and then have time to go to work and then edit at lunch. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah. So I know the last time I talked to you, you weren't certain if there would be more beyond where you ended this one. Have you made a decision if there will be, or you're still at a spot where you're like, yeah, I need to mow the grass again in three years from now and and have another lightning bolt.
0: On the, um, just in the private, in the private discussion group, I put out a poll Uh and I asked people, um, is this the end of the book, you know, or does it continue? And it was unanimous that people, demanded a sequel. <laughs> and then one person... And so you
1: deleted the group. Whole group is disbanding. <laughs> it's done.
0: <laughs> and one person said, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely done and was very upset
1: mm. that
0: I would even consider because they thought it ended perfectly. Mm. Like not, not everything needs to have a bow on it and, and it's okay to, to have to wrestle with how it ends. And I agree with everybody. (laughs) But to answer your question, when I finished this, I wrote it in, and yes, it is written as a quasi cliffhanger or Mm. a real cliffhanger. And I ended it knowing that it was a period at the end of the sentence that I was completely done and that it was one complete idea and that there was nothing beyond that. And that is true. That is absolutely true. So it's like, whatever people read in this, this is it. This, this is what I want people to walk away from and wrestle with. Probably about six months ago, I sat at my desk and I began piecing together the sequel. And Mm -hmm. because I know all of the parts of it and it's, it's complete on paper and it's completely done so it really becomes the question so I'll tell you and I'll tell you those who are still listening uh, who are either cheating because you haven't read it and you want to continue to listen shame on you shame on you um, the only thing that I care about doing with this is not let me say it this way the only thing that I care about with this book is being honest to my autobiography Mm. The, the first one was 100% driven by my story, and it followed me all the way up into the present. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a sequel, then it has to be, so what does that look like here moving forward, which makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate because I haven't lived it but I have a really good idea of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the only thing that drives this is an, an honesty about me and my own story and where I see myself and where I need to go. And then how is that conveyed creatively through uh, relatable characters? And so you know, to answer the one person who said you absolutely cannot because it doesn't need to be wrapped up in a perfect bow every time, because the fear is, is that, oh, you continue a sequel and then it works to its perfectly natural, beautiful conclusion. And he, you know, and then the two kids Happy the thereafter.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: And I, I can tell you that it is crazier than the ending of this one and it's not tied in a bow. <laughs> so it would almost be fun to write it because it, in, in much the same way that you really couldn't guess where the first one was going, um, th- no one would guess where this one's going at huh. all. I think huh. it's even crazier. My uh, last part about this, my only fear about doing it is that there is a quaintness to this first book, What Can't Be Hidden. There's a quaintness and a simplicity and a beauty to it that i unless i was really intentional i think it's going to be harder to recapture that quaintness and that's what i'm fearful of yeah is that it it really it can't the next book can't be this one it can't be it because of the way that it ends so
1: yeah yeah
0: the answer Uh. is maybe
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's a solid maybe yeah Uh, Yeah. Good. Good. You enjoyed writing it then?
0: Yeah, I really did because it, 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 um, it caused me to have to see differently. Mm. It caused me like whenever I sat down the first day and I thought, all right, here we go. I'm going to start writing this. And I thought I put my fingers on the keys Mm -hmm. and then I backed up and I rocked back in my chair and I thought, what am I looking at here? <laughs> Just, you, you have to see it and you have to feel it and you have to taste it and touch it and hear it. And you have to be there. And I had not transplanted myself into that environment. And mm-hmm. so that was a, a quick reorientation of saying, you have to fully be present in this Story in this environment, so you can let people experience it and feel it with you all the blood, the tears, the whole thing. You know, I don't know if you felt it, but did you feel it? Like, people tell me, like, whenever we're reading it, like, we can see it. You're it's very vivid, mm-hmm. it's we, yeah. we can see where we're at, we can feel what they are feeling. And yeah, no, that was the intention,
1: definitely. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, like, um, like, I. But I think the reason, and, and so what you mean you mean like the way that it's written is in such a way that I can insert myself in and literally like, so like that picture that you showed me is not the way that I pictured that picture in my head. <laughs> um, yeah. um, mine is, for some reason, zoomed out probably 30 yards from that.
0: Oh, that, that one's a crop, sorry.
1: No, either yeah, way. No, yeah. like just the perspective, like far perspective. away. Almost that's like true. I'm at the top of the game of the World Series that's happening right yeah, now. Like true. I know those yeah. are players down there. And I know they're swinging bats, Uh, but I, it's fuzzy, but I'm well aware of what it is. And like, there's a, a a story for me, that picture doesn't matter as much as the story behind what the picture is actually portraying. Um, But like, like the way that you described, like the pine trees and the bird that's, that's basically palling along that, that has no fear, which is, which is crazy for birds because they're awful skittish. They usually don't come up to people. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, um, it is very descriptive, yeah, um, and and easy to get in there. Very easy to get in. Um, I, I yeah, it, it's. But I I also have a fairly vivid imagination. I don't know that everybody reads the way that I do, because um, sure. I I bite off small chunks and then I ruminate on it, and then I bite off another huge chunk. But it's that way with everything that I read. Um, I feel like I forget who it was one time. I was describing why Midland, Texas can be beautiful as I was talking about noxious fumes, but the sun rising through it, which made it beautiful. And the guest (laughs) on the show was like, and that's why we know there's a God, because somehow you look at the desert and you found beauty in it. he's like, and I'm not going to take that away from you. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: You know, the funny thing is that, and and it's good that you read it that way, because I had another guy who read it who, who I don't know, but he, he took an early copy of it and wanted to be a part of the launch team he wrote me a note after he was finished. And he said, that was really kind of difficult. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. I said, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, no, no, he said it, it was phenomenal. But he said, I approached this book like I was gonna read it on the beach. <laughs> and he said, I figured out after like two chapters, okay, I gotta start over. I'm gonna get out my notebook and I'm just gonna start taking notes and uh you know that's the thing but again i mean you know i did the
1: same thing though as i was reading it i don't know if you go back and look at your text i would read a chapter and i would text you things (laughs) and then read a chapter and text you things right 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 so yeah and
0: and i i think that's great but again i i I want people just to it's whatever you want to get out of it you know if you want to read it and have a great time reading it and hopefully it's a page turner thriller great if you want to dig in deep and find you know the complexity and like make it self evaluative and all of that, then it's there as well. Yeah.
1: Good, 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 good. Brandon, I've enjoyed talking with you very much. Yeah, I always enjoy talking likewise.
0: with you. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, your audience. I, you know, I, I guess my pitch here is that look, it's super duper hard. I feel like to try to convey something about a fiction book, and I haven't figured out the magic yet about how to do it. I don't know how percent. to
1: do it without just overtly doing spoilers. Like I did an episode, we I talked don't. about Pixar's Soul, um, yeah. and I just started at the beginning. I was like, I don't know how to do this without doing this, and I'm about to do this again. So on election day, I'm bringing on um, Kathy and Jr. Forsteros, um, Kathy yeah. Kong, um, and then Jr. And we're gonna talk yeah. about Midnight Mass, yeah. and oh. there's just spoilers. It's don't right, listen. Right, just skip right. well, the dang I, I, thing if you don't want time, to listen.
0: No, I mean people have had time, right? So
1: I mean, like six well, weeks. Uh, so, so, but I, I just, I don't care if people like if you just don't listen if you don't want to listen. There's just so much in there, but that's also deeply allegorical as well. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I didn't finish the um, last episode yet. Mm. I, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I had to take a break, but yeah. No, I was just gonna say that I more than anything i just want to make a pitch to the listeners and just say you know just trust me i mean it, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. it it's worth it to read it it's it it's meaningful it's deep and i, I promise that it's entertaining mm-hmm. and so that that's the big thing i, I just want people to trust me I, I wish i could tell you so much more and i wish i could tell you all of the crazy things and Don't all the, it. yeah yeah but we're not going to but no. just trust me
1: yeah yeah. yeah good thank you my friend i appreciate your time tonight
0: Thanks, good to see ya. There is hate in our blood.
1: There is blood. Now, I haven't added it up, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of podcasts on the internet. And I am humbled that you continue to download this one. If this is your first time here, please know that there are transcripts of these shows. Not always in real time, but I do my best. And if you go back in the logs, you can find transcripts for pretty much any episode that you'd like. The show is recorded and edited by me, but it is produced by the patron supporters of the show, that is one of the best if not the best way that you can support the show if you get anything at all out of these episodes if you think on them or if you you know you're out and about and you tell your friends about it or hey mom dad brother sister friend boss pastor here's what i heard what are your thoughts on that if this is helping you in any way and it is helping me consider supporting the show in that manner it is extremely inexpensive but collectively it is so very much helpful now for you I pray that you are blessed and you know that you're cherished and beloved We'll talk soon and you look foolish when you try to touch it but I'd rather die for something than live a life of nothing but Bible thumping because when my time is up it's the lamb's book of life that judges if I despise the love instead of living covered in our filth we should think of something other than ourselves and it starts by coming to the well Be clean again. myself. I'm the nine that walked away. I wish I'd been the one that chose to stay. I'm the one that caught a whore. He told me go and sin. no more. I'm the thief that's by his side.